0: Welcome to the Books Applied Podcast, presented by WSL Leadership. In this podcast, we talk about an awesome book and how to apply it to your work, sport, or life. I'm your host, Iggy Perillo. Thanks for joining me. Hello. On today's episode, we are talking about The Inner Game of Tennis, a book by W. Timothy Galway. And with me today is my special guest, Lauren Chadma. Lauren, tell us a little bit about what you do and, yeah, how how this book came into your world.
1: Hi, Iggy. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun and such a
0: great book to talk about. I know. I know. You said you love this book. I'm like, we need to talk about this book. So, yes. Tell us about you.
1: I know. And well, you know how this book came into my life is, is I was um, actually, I went through a small business coaching program and I had this coach, a small business coach. And what I do is I'm, uh, my company is intentional acting and I'm hired by working actors who are getting passed over. And what they want is to book more work now and build a reputation of being an in-demand actor. And so I work and live in Hollywood. I have online classes all over the and you know, can work with anybody all over the world. And I'm very passionate and I love what I do um, and have developed this step by step repeatable acting technique that is really kind of, I don't know the right word here, um, is and it, it it there doesn't exist anything like that in the acting world and that's kind of how where it came from is because i was like you know if you if somebody taught you how to build a house or how to bake a cake or or cook something you know you're going to um, or built, yeah, you're going to, somebody's going to give you step-by-step instructions. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. These are the tools. And then you do this, then you do this and do this. And what I found in acting is even with a master's degree, I walked out and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? What do I <laughs> do first? And okay, memorize lines. Well, oh, and, and, and so there's this, there is, there are just acting's really taught by a lot of concepts and philosophies and ideas. And it's not a really a formula or a step-by-step technique. Mm. And so as I was teaching and cause I'm, 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 I'm award-winning act director and teacher and also an actor. And so in doing all of this, I developed this technique. So I, but then the marketing and the sales of it, you know, mm. like I'm in a very saturated market where mm. there's lots of competition. So I went to this SBA, you know, um, coach And while I was working with him, he said, you got to read this book, The Inner Game of Tennis. And of course, my first thought is tennis. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. (laughs) What does tennis have to do with acting and with my business? He's like, no, you have to read this book. And as I was talking about my business and talking about what I do, he's like, you have to read this book. Well, it took a while for me to pick this up, honestly, because I bought it instantly but then I was like, oh, I don't, you know, nah, 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 nah. and it's the classic one of the things I guess we need to really mention. It says the classic guide to the mental side of peak performance.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: Right. So this is the mental side of peak performance. And although he and he's so brilliantly written, is so he's such a good writer. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. And what I and why I know that he's a good writer is because he takes this uh, this game of tennis and how he is was a pro coach for tennis, but he does it in such a specific in a, such a way and such a lens that it is a it is a prism for all of life.
0: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. And
1: that's something that I've learned is particularly even in acting, is when you make a choice or when you are doing something, the more specific it is, it's just like a prism. That when you shine that light at a specific point into a prism, out comes. A rainbow of colors and that's what he does with this book Mm -hmm. is he's so specific that out you can that anybody that I think anybody but maybe not but everybody in so many different ways can relate to this Mm -hmm. to relate to it and put it into their terms so I started I don't remember if I started reading it first or I just assigned it to my class (laughs) so (laughs) what I did is I so I have a master class and in my master class and these students have been around you know what we, what are we talking about what do we want they want peak performance i mean mm-hmm. if you're in hollywood you're competing with you know 2 to 3000 people just to just to get called in really or just to, to get called in that's how many people are being submitted for one role and one of the things that i say is that you're more likely to get a gold medal at the Olympics than you are to get an Oscar. (laughs)
0: That's true. There's more of those
1: out there. Yeah, yeah, there's more. uh, It's better odds. So we are talking about you've got to be at your peak performance. So I assigned it to my master class, my level four class, and particularly one student was like, oh, my
0: God, this book. <laughs> oh, yeah, like they didn't like it. They thought it was – they, oh, or they weren't no. into it.
1: it was like – it was just singing to them.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: Singing, that's what I mean by, oh, my uh, God. It blew them away. Okay, yeah. It blew yeah. them, like mind blown, like, wow, whoa, whoa. So what we started doing is reading it in class. So mm-hmm. now because I – I have too many books going in my life. I don't know about you, but I, tend, uh, yeah. you know, have a different book for a different mood or whatever and audiobooks and all that stuff. And so if I read this, if we read a little bit in class, then we're all talking about it and sharing it. And then again, that prism of like everybody's, everybody's takeaway from it. And there've been a couple of things where I read it and I just like go, Oh, I don't get that. And then somebody else in the mm-hmm. class talk about it. And and it's powerful and it relates so much to acting. It's it's helped me with my personal life, with my husband, with oh, my girl. Sure. Like it's a brilliant.
0: Yeah. I work actually with a lot of athletes. And I think so when I read when I read it, I'm like, oh, this actually has peak performance for me was athletic peak performance. But you're right, it does pertain to everything. And it's interesting because one of the big ideas that comes out of this book, one of the most succinct ideas is don't try too hard. And in many sports, if you try too hard, you're tight, it looks awkward, it's weird. And I am not an actor, but it makes me think of in the acting world, I don't know if you saw 30 Rock when uh, Jack, he's like, wait, when I walk, does my arm go with my leg or opposite my leg? And so he's like just thinking too hard about how to walk because he's, you know, taking on this little acting role. And uh, suddenly he's like super awkwardly moving around because he's he's trying too hard, right? And I think that is... And uh, and it's counterintuitive, like you want to be a peak performer, don't try too hard. And really, I think this is about flow state, right? Like How we are flowing through what we're doing, how we are embodying it and also not thinking about it too much. And I'm sure you've seen it. We both have seen this in our realms of the people think too hard, they try too hard they like you in my world people physically get tight they're not in the right place at the right time like they're you can see their brain is literally slowing down what they're trying to be doing with their other teammates you know on the track on the you know at the same time yeah
1: because that's that's great i love the way you just said that because that's exactly that's the note that i always got as an actor and all the way through graduate school was lauren you're trying too hard Mm. you know don't try so hard but and that's kind of a really result oriented statement. And it's like, well, you know, I want to be the best I can be. How do I not try too hard? Right? And 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 how do and that's the biggest thing for an actor is how to get into that flow state. But I think it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how did you pick up the book?
0: I don't even remember now. Like the book was written in the seventies, so it predates me as a human. And uh, slightly predates me as a human. I'm not sure where how it came. I came across it. I don't even remember. But I remember it was. I feel like there's like groups of people I work with, and it becomes very popular. And they're like, everyone's reading this book. And then you know, it kind of goes under the radar for a little while. Then I encounter another group of people and they're like, oh my gosh, have you read this book? Like it keeps flowing. Uh, has its like moments of um, popularity in my world somehow. So I don't even know how I came across it, but I think it really had a lot to do with athletic performance. I worked with a lot of athletes, I mean, just over time, and people in leadership roles, right? And that's another place where, like, nuance and subtlety really matter. (laughs) Because if you come across too strong, or you come across too hard, or you're trying too hard, you land as inauthentic. And inauthentic for a leader is not building respect, not building trust, and kind of degrades the culture that you're creating around you if you don't come across as authentic. So those sort of two spaces, and I think that's probably where this has come and gone throughout my life a few times. But he does talk about the outer game. Like, you need the skills of your game. Like, as a tennis player, he's like, you need to know the the sport. You need muscle. You need, you know, whatever. But to actually do the sport well, you need to not be thinking about it. I think there's this, the educator side of me talks about there's these sort of levels of competence. So you have you're consciously, first you're unconsciously incompetent. Have you heard about these before? Yeah, I see you nodding. Where you don't even know what you don't know. You're like, I'm just doing this thing. What's this, a racket? I don't know. But then you become consciously incompetent. Like, oh, I know I'm not doing this right. Or like, I know this is not how it needs to be. And I think people sometimes get stuck there, but then they can move also to being consciously competent. Like, oh, I know I'm doing this right. And this is how I do it right. Like you have to be thinking through the different steps and what it is like, oh, this is how I, he talks a lot about tennis serves, which I think is this beautiful metaphor. Like, oh, this is how I serve in tennis. Got it. But then the next step is unconsciously competent. So I'm not thinking through the steps. Like I throw the ball like this, I position myself like this. I just do it and I flow through that whole motion. And that's where I'm at peak performance when I'm not thinking about the different steps. So unconsciously, this move, that little uh, timeline, I guess, spectrum has been sort of, uh, very present in the world of education that I've been delivering for years and years in sort of these different areas. And he really nails it in terms of, oh, you know, this unconscious, incompet- unconscious competence, you can train yourself to get there. You don't have to be stuck in either consciously incompetent or consciously competent like thinking through every step by step by step and it is true It applies to so many different areas of the world and life and i think we both fill in this role as an educator and so we're trying to help people move through these different steps and if they hold on too tightly to any one of them it it limits their potential it limits sort of the flow that they can get into and i think we both are in spaces where flow is so important and that flow is Intangible in a certain way and that's the inner game because it's subjective. It's internal versus the outer game. I know my tools I know my craft. I know my different things sort of out there
1: Absolutely, and with an actor that's everything because when they are in that flow, it's when we they are when we As an actor myself, it's when I feel transported into the world of the character and What we call what they call that in acting is being the character, you know, like and and but how you get there is there's a million different ways or people describe it in different ways. And that's what I've done is go like, how do you get there and repeat it? Because the other thing that can happen is that you get there, but then and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, and I wonder where that where is that in that scale of those mm. things? You know, that
0: that's repeatable. Yeah.
1: Well, that you're you're, it's kind of like you're unconsciously competent at some point
0: do you know right right you're like how did I do that like that part nice. a little bit I think uh I think that is the uh the good amateur right <laughs> like the good amateur is like I can do this thing I got it sometimes there's also a
1: lot of pros <laughs> that's the thing about acting because mm. it's not like this specific step-by-step formula mm-hmm. that that can happen with pros that they're like that the pros are like, well, I got this amazing, I had this great moment, but I don't know how to get back to it over and over again, especially if you're like on set with a hundred people looking at you. Mm. Like you gotta cry on cue. And how do you make that? And then there, and then you know, an airplane goes through the sound, the audio of that, and they're like, Yep, yeah, gotta do that again. Like, that's hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? and that's really about the flow how do you work in that flow right yeah well how do you
0: how do you access that on demand essentially and the same is true for for leaders right like how do i actually embody this authenticity but really actually kind of consistently <laughs> like i need to i need to be consistent about this versus i'll seem yeah, if I seem inconsistent or if I can't on demand be an emotionally intelligent person, the psychological safety of my space is just going to tank because people won't know what to expect of me as a, you know, a person in a leadership role or as an athlete on the track or as a, you know, apparently an actor on set. Like, people are like, get it together. Like, come on. We... Yeah,
1: I find it interesting you talk about an athlete on the track because uh, one of the people that I've worked with is Blake Lieber, who is a Paralympian um, Blade Runner. You know, okay. he's a gold medalist. Paralympian Blade Runner and so we found a lot of connections between the running and the technique of running and then the and where that flow comes in and acting right and that it is at some point where your technique is so um, repeated so it's so second nature that you've done it so much that it's second nature that that's when that flow comes in. Yes. Then when you're like standing there on the, you know, as he talked about being on the, um, the field of the Olympics, you know, and walking out there and going, Oh my God, I'm finally at the Olympics. I made my goal. And I think for an actor, they're going, and you know, I've seen actors have told me like, Oh, I'm now standing in front of Martin Scorsese and my knees are knocking, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, how to access that in those moments of high pressure and i in like for a ceo for a leader same thing you know now you are finally the ceo of this big fortune 100 or 500 company and you've got to get up and speak how do you excuse me access that right and what i and in this book like the other thing that i thought was so powerful was this natural learning And he talks about um, the natural learning. And that was really powerful for me as a mother, too. Mm -hmm. Like allowing my son to, instead of being, instead of (laughs) getting micromanaging, you know, Mm -hmm. being a helicopter parent. Well, like, no, you need to do this, you need to do that. I can get that way, you know, Mm -hmm. and realizing that I have to allow him to have his natural learning, you know, and that's what he talks about in this book. And I was just like blown away <laughs> because it was so, he articulates it. That's the other thing I think is so amazing is this, like how he are, it's called, he calls I'm to admit to over teaching as a pro. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, and, and, I, and I can see when I've over taught taught, mm-hmm. and, and I can also see where I've over directed an actor. Mm -hmm. Like on set, and um, and you know where that flow, and where you've done it so many times, but now the flow's gone. Right, right. It's noticeable. Mm Hot, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my god, that happens a lot with actors, right?
0: Yeah, it's allowing you have to allow the people to have an experiential moment with that topic with that moment like they have to be there in to experience versus thinking about experiencing it i think that's probably something we both have in common when we work with folks like don't think about doing it and just do it Uh, you know which is easier said than done obviously
1: obviously and also the trusting the imperfection of it that's Mm. what i also liked and and this whole i have to say if i had any criticism on the book it would be one thing i wish oh okay tell me name self one and self two because when i find myself talking about it I'm like, is that self one or is that self two? You know, I get mm-hmm. a little confused because so the way I understand it is that self one is the ego. Like that's the ego driven mind. That's the part of the mind that's so conscious and working hard and trying and wants to, and it's the ego. And then con- and, and self two is kind of more of that, is that I- I'll call it a spiritual self or what would it be? It was. It's not the ego, mm-hmm. you know? And it's the, and it's, it's, and like he talks about really allowing like, and how much you the, like that. I mean, it, when he's talking about uh, this, particularly the server, the hit and coming around and coming and the balls in front of you and like, look at where the ball's going instead of focusing on your, that's, the, that's the other thing. I think it's not just don't try too hard, mm-hmm. That is a really important piece of it. But it's also about where do you focus?
0: Yes. I love that part. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so what are you focusing on? And in acting, one of the things that so many actors focus on, their lines. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions of the nine questions of intentional acting that I created and teach is who's the most important person in in the scene, Mm -hmm. right? Because what happens is when we, and that's what this book is, because when we focus on ourselves, all of a sudden I can go like, Oh, wait. In fact, I'm even thinking about it. This morning, I saw something in my tooth. Did I get that out? Like, does my hair look okay? And then uh, wait, at that, I'm stumbling and that doesn't sound right. No, mm-hmm. because, because all the focus is on me. And when I put all that focus on me, all of a sudden I get nervous. Yeah. And all of a sudden I can't do something right, you know? Right, right. Um, Self-conscious,
0: like the worst part of self-consciousness, like being so self-conscious that you're like, I don't even all I can see is myself and be judgmental. I think that being self-conscious and is being self-judgmental, which is like the slipperiest of slopes.
1: (laughs) Exactly. In anything like I'm thinking about when I was waiting tables and I I had this. She was an owner and a manager and she was um, difficult. I'll say that. Okay. (laughs) To be polite right honestly. right. but she was on me and then the second that she got on me you didn't do this
0: you didn't do that you didn't do this you didn't do that i just started to fall apart oh yeah absolutely absolutely we can't handle that that level of critique on ourselves and so many of us do that to ourselves too which is this beautiful part of this book that we are doing that like that's a little bit of self one is that judgmental voice in our heads being like did you do that right oh wait you know he talks about it in sport like oh uh like his mental game to mess up other players is to tell them they did a good job of their last serve right, which is so beautiful right like he's like playing at like high level mind games so we're telling ourselves like oh that sucked whatever but if you did a good job of something he'll be like oh that was a great serve so then his opponent is thinking that was a great serve oh that was a great serve huh that was a great serve and so all they're thinking about is this past great serve moment and uh then they get super awkward and weird and they're out of the flow of the moment because they're thinking about the past even if it was a positive judgment they're not in this present moment anymore flowing through their next serve their next ballot you know like whatever it is i'm like i love it because it's the compliment versus like oh that sucked you know like we're already telling ourselves that was a bad job or that's weird or i feel awkward or this is disjointed so it was very funny i thought
1: absolutely and it's also what it says is that it's not only about it's not only about the inner game of tennis for the if you will, the athlete or the actor or the person doing the 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 task or the to- or the the sport or the event, right? It is about also. It's like the inner game of teaching, if you mm-hmm. will. Like right? he could make a book of inner game of teaching. Or he even-
0: did a bunch more. He did a series of other books, by the way, which is very funny. I don't think teaching yeah. is one of them. But he said like, the inner game of work. By the way, I read, which was fascinating. It actually is a little more practical toward work. He did like the inner game of music and the inner game of, game of stress outsmart oh. life's challenge there you go there you go he has a couple but yeah but teaching like the inner game like really i i can imagine i haven't read all of his many books but i can imagine the same sort of un- um, formula process you know whatever it is to get you out of like like well, i think in the colloquial would say get out of your head yeah get out of over teaching right, an overteach and i
1: see so many directors and teachers do that with it they are over there, there, if you and I've done it, I've done it a million times where I'm over directing, I'm giving you every single note constantly this and the actor just goes blank.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no. too much. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's the same thing with this athlete. It's the same mm-hmm. thing with the student. And when he talks about is it, just say, here, focus on that and notice what happens.
0: Yeah, I love it because he's talking about tennis, he's and one of the one of his techniques and his metaphors, I view them all as metaphors, but it's super practical. He talks about when the serve you know, when you're about to return a serve or you're returning a volley, he's like, just notice pay attention only to the spin on the ball. That's it. You just try to see the ball coming and seeing how it's spinning let everything else just happen how it happens, focus only on the spin, which I thought was a fascinating way to, again, get you out of your super hyper body awareness. Like, oh, I'm just looking at the spin. And I think there are these beautiful other um, applications to other places. Like what you were just saying, who's who's the most important person in this scene? Gets me out of my head thinking about my hair and my, am I at the right angle of my position of my arm or whatever, the, you know, the hyper, hyper focus on the self. So what's the, the ball spin like? What is the you know, how's my tongue feel on the reed of my instrument? He talks about musicians a little bit. Like, that's all I'm thinking about is the the feel of my oboe reed in my mouth. You know, like, that's it. I'm not thinking about the note tone or quality. You know, because again, I feel like these very nuanced, very subtle pieces of expertise need to flow naturally without thinking about them too hard. Like, how do I be the perfect, you know, how do I respond in, to this conflict in a way that's optimal? Maybe you don't need to think about my step-by-step process for responding to conflict as a leader. Maybe I need to think about, How am I listening to the person I'm listening to? That's it. Like If I just think about listening, I can disconnect myself from so many of these other checklists and process and, oh, I need to follow these 10 steps and, you know, all these different things that, again, move you out of the moment, make you feel and seem inauthentic in a way that don't help (laughs) the situation because you're interacting with humans.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what's powerful about the book, as you just said, is listening. Like it it can, can make you a better listener because you have to, instead of like judging and, and, and like, and that, I think that's where it works on as you as an athlete or as the actor itself is that you, um, or the teacher is that self one and self two is how do we listen to ourselves and what part do we listen to all that criticism? Right. Right. which does do that not go <laughs> Of that self judgment, you know, and by putting our focus over there on the other person or the spin of the ball or, you know, some, I don't know how you do a track, but what, But you know, then when you do that, that then you are free. And it was interesting because um, Blake was talking about the flow and he was like, he talks about the flow. And one of the things that's kind of amazing is what the body and what the brain, what the, the body and all your senses can do. And he talks about like in the Olympic in a stadium when he's on the track and he's running that his coach is like telling him times, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 You're at, I don't know, like 30 seconds, 45 (laughs) seconds, whatever, 10 meters and 45 seconds. Right. So his coach is saying that to him, but that means there's what? How many? Like up to eight other people on that track.
0: Oh, sure, Their sure. Coaches
1: are yelling times too, mm-hmm. and then you have the people in the crowd, the audience, right? And then you have the announcer and whatever other noise is going on, right? And he said that in that in that peak performance, in that moment, all he hears is his coach's
0: numbers. Mm-hmm. He
1: doesn't hear anything else, so that that focus, like in that peak performance. The ability for your brain, for your your being and your brain to focus and let everything else flow, and that must be the same thing with like the
0: spin of the ball. Hmm. Hmm. Just listen to the numbers of the coat. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's outside of yourself. It's still something that's not within you. It's something external that right. is that you were sort of responding to or gui- is guiding you, but not that you're controlling. Which is, I think. Yeah an intentional, you know, part of this I, whole process. Yeah.
1: And I think you're right. This is the inner game of tennis. It's not the, it's not how to play tennis. Right. Like, Absolutely. And it's not, it's the inner game of acting. It's not how to act. You mm-hmm. have to know how to do those things. You have to have that process, that technique you need to practice that a gazillion times so that then now it's how do you take it to that peak performance, to that next level. And, um, and, in the natural learning and the other, what was the other one when he talks about looking in the mirror, you're like the person who has a bad they go, oh well, I know I I spin my wrists when I do mm-hmm. when I do my forearm or my back arm. I always don't follow through or I don't do this. So that when they're on the court, they're focused on not following through, right? Mm-hmm. And then he says, go look in the window. Do you remember that? He says, look in the window and watch you do it. And then and watch it naturally and just watch it like one time in the window to see yourself what you're doing. And once you have the awareness of it. That then your body will naturally even learn and shift, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is just so powerful. Like
0: providing that model for yourself, essentially.
1: Yes, yes. I love the way you just said that. Yes, because we, you know, I, I just always think I have to will myself, through right? It. I have to work on it, I have to try like
0: force it. To like, it, like Ugh. yeah,
1: force it. You Make know? it happen.
0: No, it's, yeah, it's definitely uh, not that approach. <laughs>
1: and if you <laughs> think all. about that, and, you know, if you think about that with, like, athletes, um, high-level actors, and you're talking about, like, leaders, like, we have all worked so hard to get where, t- it is that drive, that working hard, that tre- ambition. That's what was so confusing for me, was that it is that it's, we have all those things, that mm-hmm. drive, that ambition, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to sacrifice things to get where I want to go. And that's what it requires of people who are leaders, of athletes, of actors. It requires that kind of mindset.
0: Commitment, equ- effort, yeah.
1: Right? But then
0: when you get there, then to be told, don't try so hard. Right, right. You're like, this, this is the mountain I've been climbing. And then you, I get here and you're like, yeah, well, s- slow down. And you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> it is it really is counterintuitive, and it feels yeah. it feels like the rug is being pulled out a little bit, but I think the the focus is still i mean and this is i think the difference between performing well and peak performance, right like you need to be able to to have that level of disconnect to really put yourself in that flow state like on demand essentially you know or as you know as called for by the situation at hand. Another thing that he talks about that I think um directly pertains to acting. where he talks about people who are serving and they keep serving into the net and they keep serving into the net and like, "Oh, well I'm my I need to throw the ball higher and I need to like have my routine or whatever." And one of his actual coaching strategies is to say, "Hey, pretend like we are filming a commercial. We just need someone in the background serving a ball. It doesn't matter where the ball goes. Just, you know, look like we need someone to look like a tennis pro. Can you just like look like a tennis pro over there for a hot second while you're in the background serving cuz this thing is happening over here." And suddenly people are like, oh, I just need to look like a pro tennis player. No problem. And then they start serving so much better because they they are like, well, this is how a pro would look, you know? And then suddenly, like, their serves are in. They're not hitting the net every time because they've disconnected from oh, I need to get the ball over the net and I need to hit that, you know, corner and whatever to I just need to look good, (laughs) which is a very funny way to to disconnect the brain, though, from, wait, how's my wrist twisting? Like, did I throw the ball high enough? You know, all those little pieces that are basically clogging their their muscles from like flowing smoothly. And so the focus on looking good separated them from overthinking and separated them from, you know. Yeah. Being too tight and too focused on like oh I need to like the seventy mile whatever a million mile per hour serve whatever it is right was not as relevant and not helpful for these folks, and with
1: actors to me that's often when I'm say I say just go screw it up just screw mm-hmm. it up like let's do it one more time and I want you to do it wrong and okay I want you yeah to go so big that you're sure I'm gonna say oh god make that smaller for the camera <laughs> and and just do it wrong and you know, and play, try something new, mm-hmm. you know? And that's exactly what they do. And that's, and it's so interesting because in college and in graduate school, they would tell me, Lauren, you need to play more. And I'm like, how do you do that?
0: Oh yeah, play. and this is work. <laughs> Stop telling me to screw around. Yeah, but, play but, is exploration but, like, though. Look at the
1: fields we're in. Like we're <laughs> doing things we love to do. It's not about, it's not about, um, I've got to show up and clock in and do my mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. No, this is somebody who wants to be an actor. These are athletes. Like, we're, it, why did we get into it? Because it makes our hearts sing, you know? And so we got, and then we're like, oh, and now we have to
0: play. <laughs> right, right. It's, this, uh, it's a very different mindset. And I think this this idea of play isn't just frivol- frivolity, but f- play is like a loosening of, of like our tight, tight grasp on what we're doing or tight grip or on our bodies or on our outcomes or okay. super hyper focus on results or on, you know, whatever these things are down the road. And I think that is super freeing. And I think that's what he's talking about, right? We need to free ourselves and let ourselves be looser and let ourselves be more relaxed into our level, our area of expertise and relax into our skills that we have. And that's where we perform better. And it's hard, exactly what you're saying. It's so hard for people who are are hustling and grinding, like, oh, that hustle grind culture. And you're like, yeah, you can hustle and grind. And if you don't play or relax or engage your whole person, you're really, you're missing some things and your performance in whatever field isn't authentic or it doesn't land right or it doesn't quite get you where you need to go. It's not, you're not an expert at really, you're not showing your expertise by being, by hustling and grinding constantly without play. And in
1: a way, he's teaching you how to play. Which, yeah. Which is ironic. The inner game of tennis is to play.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, in the most joyful sense of play, in the most relaxed and engaging and, you know, not yeah. am I going to make the cut for the next thing or am I going to make the team or am I going to, you know, blah, blah, right. blah. But to just play in the moment. Yeah. And I really, you're right. I think a lot of this book is just about different ways to play, <laughs> which is beautiful and so fun and,
1: and, so and effective. And into it, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, trick yourself into it. I think.
0: Yeah, because we uh, exactly like you were saying, we are focused on outcome, or we're focused on improvement. You know these especially, types of things.
1: Yes, and especially because the person's going to read this book is going to go, "Oh, peak performance! I want peak performance!" Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be like, "How can I work harder?" <laughs> don't. Really, you know, I've had to define play for actors as you know, think of don't, don't try to do it right. What do we do when we're kids and we're playing? We're not trying to do it right. And we're not trying to get it perfect and we're not you know we're not trying to make any we're trying to we're not trying to make anybody happy either yeah and so that's the play when i just do it with i don't care if it's right i don't care if it's perfect and i don't care what you think
0: absolutely that's beautiful That
1: that old saying of dance like nobody's watching
0: right Absolutely, absolutely That is great. I think that's a great note to end on. It's been so much fun talking with you today, Lauren. Thanks so much for joining me on the Book Supplied Podcast. Thank you. What a great book. Everybody go read it. Absolutely. It's out there. It's everywhere. Go find it. Go read it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Book Supplied Podcast. I hope you enjoyed getting to know a new book and learning how to apply its ideas to make your work, sport, or life a little bit more awesome. For more leadership education-related content, including conflict management checklists, invitations to a fun-free lunch that happens monthly, upcoming classes, webinars, and mastermind groups, please head over to wslleadership.com. Thanks, and have a great day.